Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate, Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Jordan McFarlane and joining me today is Gibby Mackay and Adam Miller. How are you doing? So today we're going to be talking about Sam Cosgrove's incredible transfer link with Lazio, Liam Morrison, the young Celtic defenders, move to Bayern Munich, the news that Stephen Fletcher may be considering his international future, and Timo Pukki remembered. Okay, well, Sam Cosgrove to Italy. Gaby McKay, you spent quite a lot of time working for Football Italia website. So you're the man that I want to get his immediate hot take from with regards to this. I mean, where, where, where is this coming from? Is this realistic? And can it happen? I don't think so. Um, I think there's probably more chance of Stuart Cosgrove playing for Lazio than there is Sam Cosgrove <laughs> playing for Lazio. Um, so the link comes from um, a Roman radio station, which basically Lazio all summer have been looking for a sort of tall striker who's good in the air because they want a kind of different option from Chiro Immobile and Joaquin Correa who can play through the middle but also kind of plays more wide. And basically, I don't know if they've just been on Scout and looked up strikers who are uh, tall and good in the air, but basically this radio station has reported that one of the, quote, surprise names that is being evaluated is Sam Cosgrove of Aberdeen. Now, I can't see a club as big as Lazio, um, a club with Champions League ambitions, a club that's playing in the Europa League, going to... Aberdeen to recruit a striker for the season even if he would play backup. I mean I'm sure Sam Cosgrove would love it but I really cannot see that transfer happening Adam, Englishman playing for Lazio, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, are you referring to Gaza possibly? <laughs> yes, that's um, the last one I believe No, Ravel Morrison as of well. Of course, yes oh, yeah. oh, And yeah. that worked out perfectly. Yes, of course yeah. um, Both with rather more talent I would say than Sam Cosgrove but I don't want to demean him because he is good but Possibly, but but I think there's one really kind of outstanding factor which just makes this completely ridiculous. Gaby's talking about how Lazio uh, been clearly in the market for a, a big kind of towering centre-forward type. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be Cosgrove because Lafferty still doesn't have a club. So there you go, Kyle <laughs> and he's Lafferty. he's been in Italy before. And he has been in Italy before. So Kyle Lafferty back to Serie A will put this ridiculous Cosgrove stuff to bed. To be fair, he never actually played in Serie A. It was Serie B, he was with Palermo. But Fun at parties, are you? Yes, I am. He, he was in quite an interesting attacking lineup, Lafferty, was he not, for Palermo? Paolo Dybala, amongst others? Yes, he was playing with Paolo Dybala and... Uh, who's the other one? His name's gone out of my head. Uh, he later went to Atletico Madrid never mind it'll come back to me but yes he was in quite <laughs> he actually did alright at Palermo he scored a few goals I think as we've discussed on the podcast before he got um, kicked out for allegedly according to admittedly mad Palermo owner Maurizio Zamperini going to Milan instead of training to look for women according to um, <laughs> having been to Milan owner. recently it's understandable <laughs> uh, just on Sam Cosgrove before we move on um I think last season, 44 appearances, 21 goals, 5 assists. Um, this season, 8 appearances, 9 goals already. Uh, what a turnaround, especially when you look at the season before's numbers, which were 18 games and 1 goal. Well, I mean, what's happened in his game, Gaby? Um, I don't really know. He just seemed to hit form. I mean, I remember when he first went to Aberdeen last year, people were sort of saying, oh, this guy's this guy will never do it. This guy's a diddy. And then he just seemed to absolutely hit form. And, you know, that was the Sam Cosgrove Ballon d'Or was the, I believe, the Aberdeen hashtag. I think a lot of his goals have come from the penalty spot, which, you know, you've still got to stick them away, but he has scored a few penalties. I think he's scored three penalties this season. Am I right in saying? Oh, I don't know. Ah, it, could, it could be wrong. 
But no, I mean, he's clearly obviously just hit, hit a hot streak. He, oh, I guess he fits well with the way McInnes wants to play. So more power to his elbow, but I don't think he'll be getting moved to Lazio. I think it's testament, though, to the improvements that Cosgrove has made when you consider even in the early stages of last season that he was being completely written off by fans, uh, that it was like a, almost a running joke among some, some Aberdeen fans if Cosgrove was involved in a game, they'd be just kind of the eye-rolling emoji or whatever. Um, and then he turned, turned it around seemingly overnight and he's maintained that form. I think it's testament to the improvement he's made and just how important he is to Aberdeen that although all three of us know this is highly unlikely to happen, the fact that it's, he's even being mentioned in the same sentence as Lazio um, just shows you that he really has come on a lot and that while I don't see him playing for Lazio in Serie A anytime soon uh, I, I think Cosgrove at some stage might get a bigger move than Aberdeen bet you was absolutely magic in training today you can imagine him rolling <laughs> in can't you saying immobile Milinkovic Savic watch out I'm on my way yeah. Franco Vazquez was the other guy who played with Kyle Lafferty at Palermo just yeah. had to get that off my chest <laughs> well from one move that is probably unlikely to happen to one that has happened and that is 16 year old Liam Morrison the formerly Celtic defender has moved to Bayern Munich um, he says it was a no-brainer Despite making his debut at Pinkerfeld in pre-season under Neil Lennon, he says that his final goal is to go on and become the, de- the best defender in the world and Bayern would be the perfect place to do that. Adam, we've already seen Billy Gilmore make a similar move to an elite club. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for the Scottish game that players are taking their careers really seriously at a young age? They're going abroad to test themselves in the best possible environment but at the same time, then we're losing them from our game. I think from the perspective of the clubs that are losing these players, it's obviously a bad thing, but I think in general it's it's a good thing. I think it shows an understanding of how the modern game works and a a level of ambition that in the past, you, you know, there's not traditionally been a huge amount of Scottish players who've gone abroad. So you can count the big success stories on two hands, really, over the last few decades of Scottish players who've gone over you know to foreign leagues and uh, really made a success of it and now with Billy Gilmore um, with this guy who's only 16 years old and even to an extent a player who's at a different stage of his career but even Tierney there's the same kind of thing there of willing to put aside the passion that you have for Celtic or whatever club it might be in any particular situation and say what's actually best for my career and my development as a player. It's like uh, putting, you know, it's like being pragmatic and putting that over any sort of short-sighted passion. So uh, pragmatism over passion, which was basically the key theme of my wedding vows. (laughs) 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 But but yeah, I I think genuinely with guys like that, I think uh, they've shown a lot of ambition. And there's no way at the age of 16 that we we can predict how it will work out for him. Um, We've seen, you know, for instance, with Ryan Gold, I think everyone applauded the ambition that he showed and it didn't quite work out for him going to sport in Lisbon. But I'm sure... Gold would reflect on it and think there were quite a lot of things that he learned and he's still a young guy who could end up still having a really good career and he'll probably, if he does, look back fondly on what he learned at Sporting Lisbon. I I think with decisions like this that Morrison's made, I I think uh, you you have to at least applaud the ambition that he's shown there um, because it would have been very easy. It's It's a very attractive thing for 
guys who are 16, 17, 18 to have that kind of local fame of being a young guy who's maybe played a couple of games for Celtic or Rangers. And we've seen it all our lives, the guys in town on a Saturday night that have maybe played 20 minutes two years ago for Celtic or Rangers, but they're still on the books. And these are the guys, when they walk into a nightclub or whatever, just swan about as if they're Ronaldo or Messi. But... He, the, that would be a very tempting lifestyle for a 16-year-old guy, but instead he's taken a real gamble. No one in Germany is going to know who this guy is. Um, and sh- that tells me he's got the right attitude and hopefully it works out for him. Gaby, is our culture so toxic here that you literally have to pull yourself out of it? Billy Gilmore talked about how uh, he had friends and they were all going out for a beer and meeting girls and he knew he couldn't do that, that it was going to be really, really difficult for him to deal with that, with people badgering him and texting him and saying, oh, you're not playing tomorrow, just come out. And that was part of the reason that he went down south, to pull himself out of that that environment. That could be could be part of it. I mean, you, you know, you look, but you look at a guy like Andy Robertson, who was released by Celtic, went to Queen's Park, and he's managed to make it to the top. I mean, it's just, you know, just say no. You don't necessarily <laughs> have to. And understand for a young guy, you know, if you're, if you're a footballer and you start earning good money and all your mates want to go to the pub, then... Yeah, obviously that's the kind of thing that can be tempting for, for young players. And you can see why a guy like Gilmore going to Chelsea or Morrison going to Bayern Munich, I think those clubs are definitely places where they won't allow that kind of thing. I mean, I'll have to take Adam's word for it on the nightclubs. He obviously goes to much swankier nightclubs than I do. <laughs> footballers turning up all the time. But uh, yeah, I think um, it's the kind of thing where if you're a 16-year-old defender and Bayern Munich come in to sign you, you can't turn that down because if you turn that down and things don't work out, you'll always look back and go, what if I'd gone to Bayern yep. Munich? What if I'd taken that step? I think, obviously, um, as the official Diddy Club representative on this podcast, <laughs> I don't think Rangers or Celtic can have cause to complain about players taking, uh, teams take, bigger teams taking players from their youth system. I mean, that's been going on in Scotland for, what, 20, 30 years. Um, you know, with players at 14, 15 ending up going to Rangers and Celtic's youth teams from from smaller clubs so I don't think there's much uh, they don't have much of a leg to stand on there obviously we don't know how it'll go uh, I'm not in, you know I've, I can't say I've watched too much of the Bayern Munich youth team or indeed of Morrison so I couldn't tell you much about how it'll work out but I think yeah if you're a young player and a team like Bayern Munich comes in for you you can't turn that down Gives me great heart that you don't consider Hibs a diddy team Gaby um, in, t- <laughs> in terms of uh, the actual move itself Adam um, you've talked about the ambition and, and you're absolutely right but it's also not an easy move in any way. No. I mean, Celtic is difficult to crack into the first team, but yep. it's another level entirely going to Germany and the top team in Germany. Absolutely. And I don't know what, you know, I think the quotes you were showing me earlier, I think uh, he sounds very ambitious in terms of what he wants to achieve. Um, saying something about he wants to become, you know, one of the best defenders in the world. And he's clearly taken a, a very difficult and important step if that is his goal and it's actually refreshing to hear a Scottish player talk like that because we're instinctively uh, and I'm as guilty of it as the next person but as as a people in Scotland we're instinctively sort of we're self-deprecating and we'll go oh you know we'll, we'll see how it works out but he's actually as a 16 year old gone do you know what I actually want to be the best in my position in the world and I'm sure there's plenty of other defenders out there who believe they can do the same but it's really interesting and refreshing to hear a guy talk like that and he's taken a big step towards achieving that 
And uh, yeah, there will obviously be cultural differences for him. There'll be a new language to learn and all the rest of it. And these are all big things, even if you're a 29-year-old player making a move late in your career. But he's a 16-year-old, so there's so much for him to learn. He'll still be studying his schoolwork and all the rest of it. But I think, again, I just have to applaud his ambition. Lay off the currywurst is what I would say. That's never good advice. I love currywurst. <laughs> so that is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Don't know how uh, nutritious, it is, nutritious it is for your average athlete, given that it's essentially just hot dogs, hot tomato ketchup and curry powder. Don't ruin the magic. <laughs> yeah. That didn't ruin the magic for me. That made me hungry. <laughs> well, from comments that were highly refreshing and positive, we move on to some that are perhaps, perhaps a little bit disappointing. Stephen Fletcher, the Scotland striker, has said he's considering his international future um, ahead of talks that are coming up between him and Steve Clark. He said... We've got a good campaign going, referring to his time at Sheffield Wednesday so far this season. I need to sit down and see if he wants me to play. Then obviously realise if I can keep going away on international duty and then come back fit as well. I need to sit down and think about it. I need to look after myself. I'm in my 30s and I'm injury free for the first time in a long time. I don't really want to put that in jeopardy. It's a hard decision. Well, from those quotes, Gaby, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that hard a decision for Mr. Fletcher. Um, do you think he would be missed should he decide to leave the Scotland setup? It comes down to two things, I think, really. Uh, would he be missed on the pitch? I think so. Now, uh, previous qualifying campaigns, um, were, when I had sort of the, what you would, whatever you call the Scotland season ticket, he was quite maligned by the Tartan Army, which is something I never understood. Now, okay, he's not particularly a goal scorer at international level, but he was great at bringing players into play. I mean, I remember the game we played away at Germany when Anya scored, and that was all about Fletcher taking it in and playing a little ball around the side. He was great at that kind of stuff. The second aspect of it is he doesn't really sound like he's that keen to play for Scotland. Do you want someone like that in the squad? I mean, Steve Clark said in his very first press conference, which I was at, he said, look, I'm not going to go chasing players. So they're obviously going to have a talk, but I don't think that's going to be the case of Clark. As he said, he's not going to go chasing him. He's not going to be begging him to be called up. And Fletcher doesn't sound like he's that keen to, to be called up. So I think it will probably end with Fletcher not um, not playing for Scotland again. And we, we saw before, I think when Levine was there, he had a sort of self-imposed exile from the squad so it'll probably be one of those where you look back and think he's a guy who could have done a job for Scotland over the years but hasn't hasn't really just for various factors injury previous absence and judging by those quotes we'll see what happens I wouldn't expect him to be playing for Scotland again you're the man that knows more about Stevie Clark than anyone in this room do you get the sense that he would be the kind of player that Stevie Clark would like in a setup because at Kilmarnock he obviously had Eamon Brophy, who's a lot more mobile, who's quick, who's hard-working, buzzing about defenders, completely different style of player. So perhaps Fletcher isn't maybe the, the kind of player that, that Clark would want, someone who's who's a big target man, who is not really dragging defenders about, who's getting involved in a physical confrontation. Yeah, but I think he'd want someone who could bring the wide players and potentially another striker if he's playing with two up front into play. Now, he's obviously a very different player, but you look at Greg Stewart at Kilmarnock last year, uh, Brophy scored a lot of goals in the first half of the season when Stewart was there because he was able to bring Brophy into play to make chances for him. You can see since then, Brophy hasn't scored from open play in, in, in a good long time. Um Obviously, you would imagine, obviously, Damon Brophy isn't going to be first choice for, for Scotland, but I think Clark likes a guy who is able to bring to bring other players into play. And so I think Fletcher probably would 
fit with what he wants to do because I actually think Fletcher's quite a good technical player. I mean, we obviously we know he's good in the air, but I think you know he's got a good touch. He holds Definitely. the ball up well. He, as I said, he brings players into play well. But I think from Fletcher's comments and from what Clark said about not going chasing players, I I can't see him being involved. I think that's the really important point is when Gaby talks about Clark not wanting to chase up players who aren't necessarily 100% committed to the cause. No one, firstly, is questioning the commitment Fletcher's shown in the past. That's not the issue here. But I think if you look at Steve Clark's Kilmarnock team last year, if you'd said this time last year that Kilmarnock on paper were the third best team in the league, I doubt many people would have agreed with you. But what you saw over the course of the season was a group of players who were really, really working for that manager, completely bought into what he was doing. And there was an intensity and a passion about them. And I think if you have someone like Fletcher, given the comments that he's made, kind of non-committal, I don't think that fits in, regardless of uh, any sort of tactical belief Clark has, just purely in terms of the spirit of the camp. I think... uh, Clark's going to be very adamant that he only wants players that absolutely want to be there. We well, yeah, only have to look at last season after Jordan Jones signed for Rangers and he obviously he scored against Rangers but then there were games after that where I think I've discussed what I don't believe for a second he wasn't trying but he certainly didn't look like his head was at it and he didn't play like the last five six games of the season. How, how can you though I mean you've got a big move like that you're not going to put yourself in a 50-50 are you? No exactly but, but that's what I'm saying I'm not criticising Jones I'm saying I'm saying the attitude Clark obviously showed to that is that Jones as we know is a very good player but he's obviously gone look he's not going to be performing to his absolute best I don't need him he's out the team and so if Fletcher isn't hugely enthusiastic about playing for Scotland then he probably won't pick him and if, if Scotland are going to have any success we've seen it over the years that it needs to be the team has all that needs to be the mantra um, in terms of who might replace Fletcher then as the, the number one striker Gaby who, who would you pick you're the Scotland manager for the day who's your main man is it still Lee Griffiths or do you think there's someone else there that needs to come into the four? It's a really difficult one, that, because I've never been overly convinced by Griffiths at international level. He got those two free kicks against England, and we know he can absolutely strike a dead ball. I think he's a guy who, if you're playing against the, the weaker teams, can absolutely do it. I'm not sure his, his sort of hold-up play and ability to hold on to the ball um, for a team like Scotland, who, when we play bigger teams, are going to have to be more defensive. You know, that, that never happens at Celtic, basically. So I'm not sure about him. Ollie McBurney, I think, has potential, but he's never really hugely convinced for Scotland, and his socks annoy me, so I wouldn't <laughs> pick him. So I, I don't know. I Chris Martin? Well, no, no. If <laughs> we have the guy from Coldplay up front before we get him, and dare involved. I mention the name Greg Stewart? Greg the Snake? No. <laughs> Adam, any any names you'd like to chuck forward for this? I mean, it's not exactly an embarrassment of riches. I think the thing with Griffiths is Gaby's right that the nature of Scotland's setup in most games isn't going to be similar to the way Celtic play and they're in the ascendancy for most most of the time. That's not going to be the case with Scotland. However, I think given the other options available, I think Griffiths, as someone who is just the one instinctive goal scorer and amongst that lot, although he does lack certain attributes that would be helpful in terms of hold-up play and the rest of it, I think just as an instinctive goal scorer... Um, he should he he'd be my first choice. I agree. I would play Griffiths first, but I would also say that Stephen Naismith has a, still a, a big part to play for the national team. Mm-hmm. We saw him come in in the in the last set of games there and performed really well. I still think he's more than good enough, provided he stays in, injury free. 
to be a real focal point because he's the one that we have that can do everything. Naismith can hold the ball up, he can drop back into midfield, he's got a great finish on him, he can strike the ball well, he runs into channels. He's a good Stewarton boy. <laughs> well, that, that too, obviously. Um, so for me, he should be there or thereabouts alongside Lee Griffiths, provided Lee Griffiths can keep himself in the frame of mind that he appears to be in at the moment, which is, is, is bang on it so far this season, so that's good to see. Um, talking of players that are bang on it, Timo Puke. well... Two games in the Premier League, four goals. Anyone who saw him at Celtic would be saying, where the hell has this form come from? Well, he had 38 appearances in his one year uh, at uh, Parkhead, nine goals. He then moved to Bromby, where he was pretty prolific, scored 55 and 130. And at the end of his contract there, moved to Norwich on a free transfer. I think it was one of these deals where... Norwich thought he would be a good backup, decent international pedigree, bring him in, see what he does. 33 goals in 45 games, including a hat-trick at the weekend against Newcastle uh, in his home debut in the Premier League. Adam, could you begin to tell me or explain how this has happened from Celtic flop to Premier League star? I don't think anyone would have necessarily predicted it during his time at Celtic, but it's not, I mean, it's far from the only case of a guy being written off on the basis of one spell, one bad spell at a club. I think there's probably better examples, but the one that comes to mind for me is Diego Forlan, who went on to have a brilliant career, but he was only known to, you know, large swathes of the British public as the guy who'd been a massive flop at Man United. And he came with a good pedigree for Lan and he just it just didn't work out for him. But you saw for years after that the guy was a brilliant, brilliant player. Yeah. Um Brian and- Loudrop was another one, went down to Chelsea, failed completely. <laughs> you speak to Chelsea fans to this day, and he's considered one of the biggest flops in the history of the club. Just huge wages he was on because he went down on a free transfer mm-hmm. and uh, just did nothing. Yeah, uh, I, I, there's probably lots of other examples as Mo well. Mo Salah at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, Mo Salah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, there's there's plenty of examples. I think with Puke, you'd be hard-pressed to find a Celtic fan that genuinely thought at the time, no, there's there's a player in here. Um, but Celtic must have seen something in him to sign him in the first place. And I think, I'm, sh- I'm sure most Celtic fans will now, although they'll regret that they didn't get the best out of him at the time, they'll wish him well and it'll be maybe a source of pride because it's another player that we can point to and say, you know, they struggled in Scotland or they weren't necessarily the best player in Scotland, but look at what they're doing, not just in England, but in the Premier League. So he was absolutely on fire in the Championship last season, but he's hit the ground running in the Premier League and it's a huge, huge step up and uh, hat-trick at the weekend and even in the game against, it was Liverpool the opening day of the season, wasn't yep. it? Yeah. Uh, even though Liverpool played Norwich off the park, particularly in the first half, uh, Pukki got the goal, didn't he? In the he did in the half, second yeah. half, and it was and 4-1, so that Norwich effectively won the second half and well, were a lot more effective in their play. Well, that's that's one way of putting it. But yeah, he's he's clearly... he's clearly you don't developed. believe in this one, one half, one <laughs> the other. I mean... I'm sceptical. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's clearly come on hugely, Pukki, and uh, I think that's just an example of a guy taking the positives from an experience that didn't work out for him going to Bronby where you said he had quite a good record um, and he's clearly doing really really well for Norwich just now so good on him 
Uh, Norwich manager said after the game, it was a great performance from the team from Timu. Not only the goals, but the workload, his uh, capability to link the play. He set the tone by chasing so many yards to help out the, the defence. He embodies the spirit of the team. Uh, and I think Pukki himself has discussed that, that the pain he dropped from when he failed at Celtic. He failed at Celtic after having failed at uh, Schalke in Germany. Two big moves. Do you think sometimes, not just, I suppose, footballers, but in life, you need to learn from your failures and that can be the making of you? Absolutely. I think uh, he's obviously been a bit of a late developer. I mean, I think he's, what, 29, 30 now and... That's him just getting to, to the Premier League and really performing in what you'd say was the highest level. I mean, obviously, this is just further proof of anyone needed that English football is absolutely tin pot. <laughs> that a guy like Timu Puki can bang in the goals there. But no, I think uh, it's one of those where, like Adam says, you can't just write off a player after one spell. I think he has said himself he didn't work hard enough um, earlier in his career. He's obviously now doing that and he's reaping the rewards of it. You do see players who are late bloomers sometimes. I mean, you look at, um, what's his name, Adiris that scored that oh, bicycle yeah. kick against Barcelona the other night. I mean, he only really started scoring goals when he was in his 30s and he's still doing it at, you know, 39 or well, he's 38, 39. Um, you know, a guy like Luca Tony, who you remember as a great striker, didn't really start sorry, scoring regularly till he was about 25, 26. Sometimes you get players who are just late bloomers and I guess it looks like Pukki is, is one of those. Although, admittedly, a hat-trick against Newcastle if you've watched Newcastle which I yeah it's not necessarily uh, the greatest uh, of achievements but can I just take this opportunity because this is the second time in a couple of podcasts that you've mentioned Luca Tony and I was kicking myself for not mentioning this the other day I don't know if you've ever seen this video Luca Tony numero uno yeah, the the German one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, if there's one thing that anyone listening to this takes away today, there's four words to put into Google: Luca Tony numero uno. And I won't say any more than that. It's well, I've not, I've not, I'm one of these people, so right. I'm going to go into that immediately. It's a song dedicated to Luca Tony, the other from his time at Bayern Munich, yeah. and it's only the second greatest thing to come out of his time at Bayern Munich because he famously um, said, I think in his autobiography, that was uh, Louis Van Gaal was the. Bayern Munich manager at the time and they'd had a couple of bad results and Van Hal got into the changing rooms dropped trousers and basically said I've got bigger balls than all of you while <laughs> uh, literally demonstrating the fact uh, to his stunned players. It's uh, extreme John Collinsing. Yes it is extreme John is that Collinsing. What is, is that what they mean when they say post Cruyffian? Yes that's exactly <laughs> what it is yeah. Um, just before we go Gaby I noticed that Kilmarnock have made a wee signing and I'm sure your fans would like to hear your take on it. Now, I'm not even going that to pronounce... So I'm your fan. <laughs> made a wee signing. <laughs> well done, Gaby. Well done, Gaby. Um, <laughs> apologies, Gaby. Um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. And as our multilingual expert, I'm going to just give it to you to... Well, I saw the interview with him earlier. It's Hamalainen. He's, he's, he pronounced it earlier because they asked him in, in the interview. Um, can, can we not do the Adrian Durham thing? Have you seen that oh, clip? Oh, yes, yeah, I have. We're, just, yeah. we're not going to pronounce the player's name even if it, correctly, even if we know how it's correctly <laughs> pronounced. We're just going to pronounce it the way that we think it should be pronounced. I mean, Johnny struggles with my name, so... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey. Yeah, um, yeah I, he's, he's a left-back, which I guess would be concerning because... Um, that might fuel rumours that Greg Taylor might be away, although uh, they were in need of a left-back because Callum Waters has been loaned to St Mirren. I don't really know much about uh, the new boy. I know he's played for Finland and he's sort of Finnish-American. He's got an American accent, as I learned from that video, but I haven't 
Haven't even had a chance to get on Y Scout and have a look at him, so I can't say I know too much about him. He's got a cap for Finland, so he must have some chops about him, because uh, Finland are a, a much improved international team over the last few years. So, so time will tell, but it is another signing for Angelo Alessio as he continues to slowly improve Kilmarnock. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's giving me the, the stink eye here. <laughs> I'm just trying to wind Gaby up. That's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time for your daily work to commute and to make it a little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or on our social media channels at Facebook and Twitter on at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can give me pelters on at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can talk to Gaby at Gaby McKay and Adam at Old Firm Facts 1. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. <laughs>